All right, good morning, everyone. Seeing some uh, faces we haven't seen for a little while. Great to have you all here this morning. Welcome, welcome to everyone online. Uh, a couple of quick announcements before we get started here. Uh, one is uh, <clears throat> right after our uh, service today, right about noon, we're going to be having our annual business meeting. You are welcome to stay and uh, be here in person. Uh, you're also welcome to join us online on Zoom um, if you're interested in that. Uh, so all the members should have gotten an email with a link for the Zoom uh, video and a ballot for voting. If you are not a member but want to attend by Zoom, make sure you touch base with me before you leave today and I will send you that link or I'll email you that link. Uh, but the business meeting will cover some of the basic stuff like budget and finance, but we'll also be doing some ministry updates, some missions updates, and some vision casting for 2021. Uh, we're hoping it's a much different year than 2020. Um, but yeah, so please join us for that. We usually try to wrap those up within an hour, so uh, it won't take too long. Um, also, uh, tomorrow night, Monday night, uh, the women's ministry is starting a brand new teaching series on the book of Matthew. They're going to be doing a series uh, by Tim Mackey, who's the guy that does the Bible Project, and they're using the podcast, his podcast on the book of Matthew, as kind of the guide for the, uh, the teaching series. So uh, make sure you check out that information. There's lots on the website under the Women's Ministry page. And again, that starts tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, also via Zoom. So all the information's on the website for that. Um, and then lastly, just a reminder, uh, we're using the Bible app extensively now. Um, it's basically become our virtual bulletin. So download the Bible app. There's uh, instructions in the weekly Hillside Happenings on how to get that. And we've got all the sermon notes and announcements and all that in the Bible app. And again, you can find that information uh, through the weekly email or touch base with me and I'll help you get started on that. But let's go ahead and pray and then we'll get started. Father God, we just come before you today on a beautiful day and just thankful for your presence in our congregation and each of our individual lives. Uh, we just pray for your presence this morning, Lord, in the form of your Holy Spirit, as you guide us and bring us deeper into your word and deeper into a relationship with you, and as we just explore the amazing wonders of what you've prepared for us in heaven. Lord, we are so grateful that we have salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are thankful that we uh, have heaven to look forward to. So as Kevin talks to us today and you know, teaches us about this, we just pray that you would quicken our hearts and our minds, draw us closer to you and closer to one another. And we just pray that this would all be to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for worship this morning. Yes, I will 
just ask that our, our praise would be pleasing to you this morning. We just ask that you'd be glorified in everything we do and um, that our hearts would be open to what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. Sorry, technical stuff slows me down sometimes. Good to see all of you. Some of you have not seen for a while. There you go. That's even better. I know. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. We're excited to continue on in our series of Heart for the Lost. Uh, last week, Gus drew the short end of the stick and had to talk about heaven. <laughs> and just talking to him about the week leading up to preaching, I mean, hell, I got heaven. Leading up to having to talk about hell, it's just daunting because it really puts into light a lot of the consequences, the, the difficulties of what it would be like if we did not know Jesus, but also captures our heart in such a way where we, we have a bit of urgency to make sure that we try to help and save people from what that consequence could look like. Me, on the other hand, get, I get to talk about heaven. I was like, what a great week this was. Because I, I, I realized I don't think about heaven as often as I should. I don't consider it. I don't have it part of my normal thought process. And today I hope we're going to change that a little bit. Because I think that as we have a heart for the lost, we need to understand so many different areas. But I don't think as a church we really talk, teach, and converse about the magnificence of what heaven really is. So I'm going to be using this book. This is a book. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. So I'm going to just declare this right now. I have cannibalized a number of thoughts from this because this is just a very well-written book. It's very well put together. It's a book that will help you answer many of the questions that people have about heaven. Like, well, what will this really look like? What will this really be like? And so some of what you're going to hear is going to be coming out of this. So... Yes, plagiarism did occur a little bit, but I don't know exactly where. Because <laughs> when you read the book once or twice, it just hopefully becomes part of the way you process. But as we move into this, I think it's important for us to review where we've come. And so in this process over the last couple of weeks, in this series about having a heart for the lost, we talked about the human condition. And it's just important to understand that we're all in the same place. And we were really clear about the fact that there's no one better or worse we are all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God. That When we come into this world, there is a need that we all have, and we are all sick with this condition of sin that can only be cured one way. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. We've preached out of John 3:16 and 17 a bunch over the last couple of weeks that God loves the world. He, he gave us a path. He gave us the direction of salvation. He didn't hide it. He didn't stick it away. And you know what that cure is. That cure is the gospel. It is Jesus Christ. It's the only cure 
to deal with the human condition. And then Gus, two weeks ago, gave a great message on how are we going to move through this world? Are we going to move through it with compassion or are we going to move through it with contempt? Because I'm afraid a lot of times Christians get to this point where you've been saved and you end up becoming uh, contemptuous towards the people. Or, I can't believe they do that. How dare they think that way? Well, of course, people who don't have Christ or the Holy Spirit dwelling within them are not going to think Christ-like ways. Don't have contempt towards them. Have compassion in a way where we will reveal what truth is. We will guide them towards the gospel. We will introduce them to our friend and savior, Jesus Christ, because we want to save them instead of being mad at them. And then last week, as we talked about, Gus preached on the reality of hell. Great job just really capturing what hell is. It's, it's a concept that has started to diminish in our society. People would rather not talk about hell. They would rather try to explain it away. Scripture, the Bible, Jesus are very clear about what hell is. Hell is the consequence of our sins. It is death, ultimately and eternally. Without Christ Jesus remedying the cure, the consequence of that is hell. There will be a judgment of faith and there will be a judgment of works. Very clearly in scripture, every single person, whether you're saved or unsaved, are going to have to go through a point in time where God's gonna look at you. And he's either going to see Christ or he's not. And if he sees Christ, then Christ is gonna be the one that speaks on our account. He becomes our advocate and he says, they are with us, they are part of our family, they are Christians. And the Extent of that will then last throughout eternity. And that becomes the eternal truth. We were looking, and I was looking at this scripture this week, and just trying to really figure out what, what is the essence of hell. And I think as we were talking last week, it just got my mind thinking more and more, like what, what is it really like? And there's a misconception about hell. There's a misconception about what it's really going to be and what it's really going to look like. Second Thessalonians says, that he, being God, will punish those who do not know him, do not obey him, or the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So this is important to understand. Hell is in essence being without God. That is why it will be torturous. That is why it will be destructive in nature because hell is the place that will finally be without any of the goodness of God. See, today, even those standing in opposition to God experience the blessings of God. When the rains fall, we, we read about it in Ecclesiastes and even in Psalms and Proverbs that the goodness of God comes upon all of the land. Whether you're righteous or unrighteous, the rains come and they will rain on both fields. But the time is going to come when that goodness is gone where it separates it as far as the east is from the west, where God's presence is no longer. None of these things will be possible in heaven, or I mean in hell, because the presence of God and his glory become completely removed. So that in essence is what we're trying to avoid. And that's what we want people around us to avoid. We want them to not go to a place where God is no longer. See, for many, in this world. The rejection of the gospel here on earth will become the closest glimpse of heaven that they will get. Meaning that the things they see around here, the rains falling on their field, the joy of a newborn baby 
being married and just the things that we feel throughout the day, they exist because God's presence is still amongst us. For the few that believe in Jesus, earth is the starting point for heaven's wonder. For us who are here, earth becomes the example of what heaven will be. We get to look around and we see in a shadow effect the things that God had intended. So with that, we're going to start talking about heaven. We're going to examine a couple of important points. But first, we're going to start with the problem. There's a lot of problems that I think we, we experience, that individuals experience as it pertains to heaven and understanding. And I've picked out just three. There's a lot of subpoints under all of these as well. So you're going to sit there and go, there's probably more problems. I think by the end of this, hopefully you will realize that even you might have some problems and some hurdles and obstacles in how you see heaven. The boredom concept. And just even last night, my wife was like, I've never even heard of that. But it's something that I've heard fairly frequently over the last couple of years, this, this idea that we would be bored in heaven. Slander from the enemy. It's a constant onslaught that the enemy, this world, and his establishments around us are perpetuating against us and against heaven. And then there's just flat out false and uninformed views of heaven. So first, the boredom concept. Some people might say, I'd rather have a good time in hell than be bored in heaven. Many people imagine hell as a place where they'll hang, hang around and play cornhole and joke and hang out with friends and family. For this couldn't happen there. This could only happen in the new heaven. Wherever hell is, these joys will never be experienced. Hell is a place of torture and isolation where friendship and good times, they don't exist. Hell will be deadly boring. Everything good, everything enjoyable, refreshing, fascinating, and interesting that is derived from God won't be there. It will, however, be in heaven. I do believe that we will be able to hang out in heaven, play cornhole. There will be winners. There will be losers. There will be joy. There will be excitement. There will be a fascination. Hell will not look at all what heaven will look like. I think people think that hell is going to be a place where I can finally go and do all the bad things that I did without the guilt and the shame. Non-existent. There is no joy in that. It is empty and it is void. God is extravagant. He is creative and he is majestic. The one thing God is not is boring. God has created all things around us. If you just look at the creation, even in its fallen state, a god can create something like a lion and a tiger and a platypus and a duck. He is creative and wonderful. He can create trees and mountains and lakes. He is wonderful and he is not boring. The second problem that we face, because Satan was expelled from heaven with all of his rebellious angels, he has been working hard from that very moment to slander all the things that are God. He's making false statements damaging the person, the reputation, the people, and the places of God. The outrage of Satan has contaminated this world and all of the structures around it, trying to get us to not believe that God exists, that his people exist, and his place of heaven exists. 
He wants us to be where he's at. He wants us to start examining things in a way where we would trust him. His kind of manipulation of all of what God has created. He's still using the goodness that God has created in this world to distract you from what heaven really is. He wants you to think that you can build your own kingdom here. Who needs God? And why would you even consider thinking about heaven? Let's just make it here. Let's make it so that we don't even think about the things of God. Uh Uh-oh. Problem. Fixed. There's also the false and uninformed views of heaven. I think a lot of folks, when they think of heaven, they might think of clouds, harps, wings, and halos, right? There's nothing about a halo anywhere in Scripture at all. Like, there's no halo. There's no wings that are going to be given to humans because we weren't born with them. You know who's going to have wings are birds and angels and some of the described things that we, we see and hear. There's nothing about floating around on clouds. Yes, there are harps, but right now they're in the throne room of God and they're being orchestrated in an in a array of worship for God. But that's not the true picture. We will have things in God. With, with God when we're there, but they're not going to look this way. And we've got to get away from the fact that we think that sin is the only catalyst to enjoyment. So I think this is one of those things, and I, I, I'll admit, I thought this for a while, that doing bad things was the only way that I would find enjoyment. And it, it kind of, it, it slaps God in the face. Where would we get the idea that being righteous would not bring joy. Satan would like us to think that the bad things we do would be the only sources of excitement and joy that we would experience. That is not true. When there is fulfillment, when there is beauty, when we see God at his truest as a never-ending reservoir of fascination, we will be overwhelmed and we will be captivated by who he is and this heaven that he has created for us. Now, we will have things, and God will give us things when we get there. It specifically talks about we're going to get to heaven, we're going to get a robe. There might be a rock that's written on, a white one that basically declares you to be a Christian. It it will be a wonderful experience entering into it, but it's not going to be this this weird kind of cartoony place where we we float around and have boredom, where we non-exist in a different kind of way. It will mirror some of what we experience here on earth, but only in its perfected way. So as you look at these three problems, I want you to ask yourself this question. What are your problems? What are some of the things that you might be experiencing now? What are your obstacles that you can define for yourself right now that are hindering you from understanding what heaven really is? Are you not thinking about it enough? Have you not thought about it enough? Are you utilizing maybe the way that movies and media might portray heaven? Or maybe you're more fascinated with things that aren't even of heaven. Maybe you're getting drawn into media and movies and other kinds of social media things that would totally distract you from spending even time on thinking about heaven. It's really easy to do right now. It's really easy to get captivated and distracted by everything going on in the world around us, and I think that's what I spend more of my time on. More of my time looking at the problems of this world rather than even looking at the beauty of who God is. You guys hear about that 
I don't know who won it, but there was that nearly billion dollar Powerball lotto. I mean, are you kidding? Like who would, what would you even do with $758 million? I can't even fathom that. It seems like that would solve all the problems, right? But in this world, that prize pales in comparison to the wonder of what awaits us in heaven. It's like hog food, things that you would throw away because that does not even represent closely what exists in heaven for those that believe in God. So why would we become, so, I mean, think about it. What could you do with $700 million? Well, you can't even comprehend the wonder and glory of what exists for you in heaven. So why would we spend our time thinking about that and not thinking about heaven when heaven is really the place that should captivate our hearts and our minds? So the reality of heaven, there's a lot of different details that I think are important for us to understand. So heaven has existed since God created it. It didn't exist before God because God created the heavens and the earth. And when you look at heaven, it's important to understand there are many different places of heaven. There is the pre-fall heaven. This is like when Satan and his angels are there and it's before man, mankind fell into sin. So there's this heaven that existed. And then there was this garden and earth that existed in its purest of forms. So there was the heaven and the earth that existed pre-fall. And then mankind fell into sin. And then there was the post-fall heaven which existed all the way up until Christ's resurrection, where Christ was seated at the right hand of God. That's the heaven that exists right now. It's a temporal heaven. It is a place, just like hell right now is a place. But then there is the final heaven, the heaven that's spoken of both in Isaiah and spoken of in Revelation, that talks about the new heaven and the new earth coming, where Jerusalem will descend and make its place here on the new earth which is really important to understand. Because I think we look around and when we think of heaven, we kind of look up to the clouds and maybe that's where we got the, the cloud analogy. You just, oh, clouds. And we look other places when really that's the distraction that the enemy has for us. Start looking around yourselves, looking at the creation that God has had for you. Look at your children, your dad, your loved ones. Look at the creation. Yes, still under sin, but right now what we realize is this earth is going to be cast away, it's going to be flushed away, it's going to be cleansed, and a new earth and a new heaven will be ushered in, similar to the first heaven and first earth that existed pre-sin and pre-fall. Now we recognize that because we have to have something to look to. It's tangible, it is a place. But the question is, can we comprehend heaven? And this is one that I think is really interesting to think about. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. Now you might, um, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what no human mind has conceived of. These are actually the glorious things that God has in store for those who love him. So you might read this and, and, and think that there's no possible way we could even start to comprehend what heaven would look like. Because that's what the verse says, right? No mind has seen, no ear has heard. No, I agree with that to an extent. So if we just in our human state started to, to talk about the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard, I guarantee that without the Holy Spirit, us just by ourselves aren't going to be able to fully comprehend heaven. We're just not because we're not God. And yet we need to. We need to try to explore what it is that God has for us. 
Unfortunately, we've got to get rid of the bad habits. One of the bad habits is we're just not looking for heaven properly. We're not talking about it. We're not seeing it around us in the shadows of God's creation. We have to remove the blinders that we've put on. We have to start exploring God's word in such a way that we see clearly the things that he's revealed to us. We have to read about those individuals in scripture who did see heaven, who gave a very clear account of what heaven will be and what heaven will look like. Now, recognize this is not an exhaustive kind of account of heaven, but it is an accurate account. And yes, we can see. God does want us to understand and anticipate everything that awaits us. But we also have to realize that what we feel sometimes is kind of like swimming in the fog. And I count this too, we live in a fallen world. You wake up in the morning, you don't feel good. You've got aches and pains and things that just distract us and overwhelm us. There's a story that's actually found in this book. It's a story about Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick, in 1952, she's has actually swam, swam the English Channel back and forth a couple of times. She's just an amazing athlete. And as far as endurance swimmers, women by far just crush men in this, in this activity. I don't know why, but they, they do it and they do it well. And Florence Chadwick was no exception. So she decided she was going to swim from Catalina to the coast of California, to the Long Beach area. That's about 22 miles. I can barely swim one lap in a pool without thinking I'm going to die. Katie, you're different. I know you're a swimmer. But 22 miles, could you even comprehend what that would look like? Well, she set off and she started swimming. And in the middle of it, she wanted to quit because you can imagine just the pain. It was a cold day. It was a wavy day. It was a difficult day. The, the currents and the tides were against her, and she fought. And her mother was in the boat, and she kept begging to give up, begging to give up. And her mom was like, just push on. We're almost there. So 22 miles is the distance of this. And she decides to, in a half a mile, quit. She got pulled out. She just was like, I'm not going anymore. So they pulled her out of the water and onto the boat. And as soon as she got up out of the water and onto the boat, she could see the land. She was frustrated. She swam 21 and a half miles. And, and she yet couldn't make it to the end. And I think that's what we face many times. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says this. We've got to forget what is behind. We've got to forget what is clouding our judgment and the things that hold us back and strain toward what is ahead. Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's not just about following Jesus. It's about pressing on. The goal is the, the coming of home, to be in that place where we have had prepared for us and we can see it verse 10 very clearly states all of these things God has revealed to us by his spirit so yes without the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us revealing to us we're not going to be able to see all of it but but God's given us the Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus and because of that we have all that we need to look around so start looking around Start being captivated with the wonder and the excitement. Why would we spend so much time being captivated with trying to fix this, this world, which is unfixable? Focus on the things ahead, the wonder of who God is. 
seeing things through the eyes and ears and mind of the Holy Spirit. We have to have our, our hearts and our minds fixed in the right places. And if you're like me, sometimes I just don't see heaven because they're fixed in the wrong places. Focus on the things that are above. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ Jesus. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's kind of summarizes exactly what I'm saying. God wants us to understand and anticipate what awaits us. He wants our hearts and our minds to not be focused on the things of this world, be focused on the things of heaven. So you can read this verse a different way. And I think this is the way that it's intended to be read, and I'm not correcting scripture. Since then you have been raised with Jesus Christ. So the known is that you've been raised. You are in relationship. It's a given thing. You are standing in justification with the Lord. Set your heart on heaven, where Christ is seated. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on heaven. Stop thinking about the things of this world. When we replace heaven with the things of this world, our attitudes, our perceptions, everything starts to change. If we allow who we are to be defined by the things of this world, we are going to continue to remain in and of this world. See, heaven becomes the place of home sweet home. It is the place of our belonging. It is the place that provides everything and it will supply all that you need, all that you desire. It is where God has intended us to be and it's where we need to long for. It's the intended location of our eternal existence. And I think this is why at times we don't feel right. It's why we become anxious and depressed about the battles that we're experiencing in this world. It's why so many of us sometimes feel overwhelmed with the turmoil that's around us. We're homesick. We miss where we're supposed to be, and yet here we just try to fix and maneuver and recreate when we should be captivated with heaven, the place that we long for, the place that our beings are motivated to get back to. We've read this verse a few times. This is about the great cloud of witnesses. And in this too, we can recognize that all these people knew God. They were motivated because of who God was in their life. But look at what it is that captures them. Look at what it is that moves them. Because we all who know Jesus are, are captivated by trying to follow him as our Lord, to try to do the things that he wants. But look at what motivated these people. They were longing for a country of their own. They were looking for a better country, their heavenly one. So they knew that their citizenship was no longer here on this fallen earth. They knew that their citizenship was then in the new heaven and the new earth. So that's what they fixed their hearts and minds on. When the going got tough, and if you read all of this, the going got real tough. And yet because they continued to think of where they were going to be, they were able to manage through the toughness, the current state, recognizing this is not home. But soon we will pass in to what is our home. So we're not to be troubled, but believe in God and trust in him and also trust in Jesus. And I love this. He says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I am going there to prepare a place 
for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. God is specifically preparing a place for you. So if you come into my house, my house, the Shive house, we've got a lot of rooms. We've got the master bedroom, which is prepared for the master and his wife. <laughs> no, master bedroom. Then you've got guest bedrooms, and you've got the office, and you've got the kitchen, and you've got the family room. You've got the basement. We all have rooms that we prepare, that we decorate for the purposes that we have within our homes, right? The same thing is true with God. Jesus has gone to decorate and prepare a place that is specifically designed for you. He is waiting in anticipation to usher you in and show you what this place looks like. There will be feasts at this place. There will be celebrations at this place. It'll have your favorite color, I'm sure. It'll have all of the things that are necessary for you to experience the wonder of who God is. We should share about this. I think it's important to understand this for this reason. This is a, a trip that we took about four years ago. We went to Mexico with some of the Timke clan and it was a blast. I mean, you ever go on those vacations and before you go, you're on Google and you're looking everything up and what are we gonna do and what are we gonna see and what does the beach look like? You try to look for other people's photos to try to capture your heart of, you know, what is it gonna feel like? I can still look at these pictures and it evokes in me a feeling. Like I can still smell the water, I can still taste the food, I can still feel what it was like. And in this time, what do we do with it? We take pictures, we take selfies, and we show everyone how wonderful it is. We want to proclaim from the hilltops, look at me and look at where I'm at, and look how stinking amazing this is. Like my wife wants to go to Greece for our 25th anniversary this summer. And I was kind of like, ah, Greece, I don't know. And then she started like showing me pictures, and I was like, yes, Greece. I don't know, Mama Mia's film there or something like that. And I was like, this it's a gorgeous place. But for me, I was not really all that intrigued with it until I started seeing the pictures. And still, until I started like examining how gorgeous it really was. And that's just a glimpse. These are glimpses of what heaven is going to look like. So why is it important for us to understand heaven? So that we can share it with the people around us. So that it can capture who we are as people. I, would, I mean, if you had a ticket tomorrow, I'd be right back on the beach of Puerto Vallarta because it's just, it's captivating and it's exciting and I had a great time there. It's easy for me to pitch that idea. Why can't we tell people? I've, of course it is important to talk about Jesus. Jesus is really important in this conversation. It's important to talk about hell. We want people to understand, but we should also talk about heaven. Like how wonderful and glorious heaven's going to be, painting the picture and the illustration of what it will really be like. That we'll be in a place where there will be no more mourning, crying, pain. There will be building, there will be structure, there will be planting, there will be eating. Could you imagine tasting food without these corrupt tongue thingies to taste? What are they called? Taste buds. I mean, we, everything in and of us is corrupt of sin. Don't laugh at me back there. I lose thoughts sometimes. At least I'm not making up words. But this is what heaven will be. We will bite into fruit that no longer exists. 
because of the fall. We will see things that we've never seen before because of this corrupt and sinful world. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to walk through and never mourn the loss of opportunity, missed jobs, failed projects, wrecked relationships, no missing family, no missing friends. No more crying, no weeping at the overwhelming nature of this fallen world, the struggles and the pains, the tears over failed expectations, no more doubt, no more pain, no mental pain, physical pain, emotional pain, no spiritual pain. We're not gonna be sick, we're not gonna die. We're not gonna need aspirin or Advil to fix that headache anymore. We're not gonna need the things that we've needed for so long to make us into who we're supposed to be. We will be in the place that God has originally intended us to be. I'm gonna read this to you. Heaven is the one place where both impulses, to go beyond and to go home, are perfectly joined in total satisfaction. It is the one place where we're constantly discovering, where everything is always fresh and the possession of a thing is as good as pursuing it. And yet where we find ourselves fully being home, where everything is as it ought to be, and where we find undiminished that mysterious, the mysteriousness that we've never been able to discover down here. And this lifelong melancholy, melancholy, that hangs on us, this wishing we were someone else, somewhere else, doing something else, completely vanishes. Our craving to go beyond is always and fully realized. Our yearning for home is once and for all fulfilled. The awe of deep satisfaction and the aha of delight, they finally and surprisingly meet. That is what heaven will be for us. So as we talk about the necessity of having a heart for the lost, heaven becomes an incredible anchor in understanding what we should be sharing with people. I think sometimes we start off on the wrong foot. Sometimes we share things that might be difficult for folks to understand. I think people can understand some of these things. They can understand the wonder and the joy of what heaven can look like. So we should be sharing these things. My hope today is that we would be captivated personally and corporately with the reality of what heaven is. Let it be upon our thoughts, within our hearts. Help us to long for it in a way that truly changes the view of our today. Speak about it to others as if you're excited to actually go to heaven and not scared. Talk about heaven in a way that would excite others to go on this journey with you, to explore the destination and help them discover Christ Jesus so they might have the ticket to be able to go to heaven themselves. This is the place where we go home, where, when we're snatched from this earthly place and we're set free from the snares of this world, where we're restored to the paradise and to God's kingdom, the foreign land we're no longer longing for. Father, I pray that that becomes who we are, that we're able to talk about it in a way that really captivates not only us, but the people that are around us. Let's pray.
Father, I do thank you. I, I think about too many other things. I worry about things that eventually are just going to disappear. Father, I pray that in the midst of this message, you would just excite us, that you would give us, through the power of your Holy Spirit, an opening of the eyes of our hearts so that we would truly see the expression of what heaven is. Let us be excited, but also help us to understand why sometimes here on this earth we might feel a little off, a little like we don't belong, a little like we're supposed to be in heaven. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Morning. Hey, I, uh, as we prepare for the business meeting today, I wanted to just share a few thoughts. Typically, our business meetings are more of a celebration than they are business. But we do have two things we're going to vote on today. One's going to be a budget. Um, and the second we're going to be voting on is Kevin taking over the lead pastor role at the church. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that. If you've not watched the transition video, we we have on the website, I really encourage you, it just kind of answers some questions. But I want to just say a few things. Uh, first of all, I have been, I have initiated this process over two years ago. It's probably closer to three years ago. We get, began praying and talking about what would it look like to still be on staff here and for Kevin to take over the lead role as pastor. And uh, it's been amazing to watch, especially this last year, Kevin just leading us during this crazy year we just went through. Um, it's been awesome, it's been amazing. Uh, it's been a, an interesting process and, and I have felt so valued by the leadership of this church and maybe especially by Kevin. We've had coffee and lunches together and just talked, what does this look like? And this could be kind of an awkward thing, but it's not, and it shouldn't be. Uh, he is just, I feel so much value for him and and I appreciate him, who he is as a leader. And, and so as I look to this next step we're going to take, um, I'm excited to be cheering him on, encouraging him. We're going to be together in this process. It's not, I'm not leaving here. So as you go, I just want you to hear that. This is what we believe is God's will. And we want to do it well. We want a community to see that this is sort of like a big family. And how I've put it before is it's, you know, I'm a grandpa. I've got six grandkids. I just I like being papa. <laughs> and in a sense, that's what I'm going to be coming around here is a little bit more papa. <laughs> uh, and get to see uh, uh, Kevin really uh, lead us in a new way. So I wanted to say this for him because I know it's kind of a weird day for him because <laughs> we're voting on him taking my position. You know? <laughs> and yet it's not. It's a wonderful thing. So I want you all to hear that. But let me just pray and and then we're going to just still worship a little bit. Father, we are so grateful to have a community uh, where Jesus is the head of the church. It's never been about an individual. It's always been about people sharing life together, people ministering to others together. Lord, but we're so grateful for the, the leadership of this church and, and just how it functions as a team. And, and I'm so grateful for Kevin. Uh, what a joy to watch him grow up in many ways over all these years. I think 30 years ago he was a student of mine and 
to see him just become this amazing leader in our community. Uh, and God, I just ask this today would be a celebration for us as we do your will, but especially for Kev, that he would feel celebrated. That he'd recognize just how pleased you are with him. And so we're grateful for these times. Um, and we trust you with them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This may be a new song to some. It's a few years old, but I was listening to the uh, the writer, Chris Tomlin, and he, he said he wrote it as a modern day, it is well with my soul. Um, so the words are just so good. So if I start tearing up, then maybe Donovan can take over. There's no promises there. <laughs> you guys can take over.
Awesome week, everyone, and don't forget business meeting at 12 noon, right? Amen. Have a great week.